Hi, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did nothing and got applause. That's really exciting. I'd ask you how you're doing, but apparently you're doing fantastic. Um, I feel like we just had real good church, and we can probably all just <laughs> go home now. That was good, right? Why is it that some times it's like this. I think there is a lot about expectancy and coming here and bringing your best. Amen? Cool. My name is Natalie. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Crosspoint. Um, I'm really, really excited uh, to speak today. Um, I'm trying to like bring myself down off of that little worship. <laughs> I forget why I'm here, what my name is. Uh, I'm really, really excited uh, about this series. I think that um, God has done some cool things, and as I've been kind of studying up uh, for this particular time, um, I'm just, I really think that, um, I mean, it's no different than any other week, but God really wants to do something tonight, and so can I just ask you to participate in that? Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> Got a few people. Um, you know, I, I think there really is something uh, in coming into this room and really expecting something. Uh, but the thing about God is he employs us in that. And so, um, you know, I'm not telling you, like, get up and run laps around the room. But, <laughs> but respond tonight, right, and be, be listening for the voice of God. Uh, we just want to say hello to South Campus. Everyone say hi, South. Um, hi to the team there. Hope that you guys are having an awesome service. Uh, if you are watching online, also, we just want to welcome you. Even though you're on the other side of a screen, I just, my prayer for you is that you would still be experiencing the Spirit of God, right? Isn't it so cool that our community is vast? There are so many ways to plug in. And so, um, yeah, let's, are you ready? That was semi good. I feel like I got more applause for just walking up here, which I mean, that's fun. Um, so we've had, uh, we're at the last week of this uh, resourceful series. And I don't know about you, but it's been really good. And by really good, I mean, it's been really challenging. I feel like I've left here each week feeling the kind of weight of the challenge that has been laid out before us. And so um, we've heard about finances, how to not compare our contribution, right? Wasn't that good? Um, and, and the thing that I really loved about this series, and as a staff, we kind of took this approach where we really wanted to be mindful of the fact that there is far more uh, resource that God wants to give than just finances. And oftentimes when we talk about um, this whole thing of resourceful, we just camp around the idea of money. God has so much more available to him than that. And so I really have loved learning about uh, things like time and talents um, and the fact that we don't need to bury um, our talent that God wants to use it, has given us specific gifts, uh, which was great. And the idea of return and being really aware of who our neighbor is, um, how many neighbors we have, how God calls us to love our neighbor well. And you know, he's going to be a little maybe perturbed at this, but I happen to think that we are incredibly blessed with our lead guy. And I think that what you guys don't see, and we've talked about this from the stage a little bit, 
Um, but you guys don't see the entire week and what it's what we do here as a staff. And what you don't see is what everything that Pastor Mark uh, is responsible for. And so um, for a guy like him to bring just incredible word after word that is steeped in wisdom and the love of God and um, just a really a great heart for challenge over this particular series, uh, but always, um, I was telling him the other day, I like to call him and someone else referred to him as this, which I thought was hilarious, but um, the Kippersoff of preaching because he's on a lot. If you're a Calgary Flames fan, which I'm pretty sure Pastor Jamie and I are the only one in this room right now, or possibly in this church, that subscribe to that team. But he's on a lot. He's preaching a lot. And to bring that kind of quality of word again and again, we are incredibly blessed. So can we just give honor where honor's due? Good job, Mark. Uh, so yeah, let's get started. I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, the title of tonight's message, um, did anyone bring a journal? Who's got something to write on? Yes, you guys are the best. Here's my advice to you. Come with the resources that we have available to us. Uh, come with your Bible. Come with your journal each week. Um, the good thing uh, about sitting in a service like this is we learn. Uh, and But I would really encourage you to not take my word for it. God has given you his word already. And so I would love for you to be jotting things down, not necessarily that I'm saying, but things that you're hearing from the voice of God, because did you know that you are built to hear from him? right? And so don't take my word for it. Dig in there when you go home, write these scriptures down, um, write some stuff down that sticks out to you and work through it. But the, tonight, uh, the, the title of this message, are you ready? Is full of it. Turn to your neighbor and say you're full of it. <laughs> don't want to start any fights here. If there's couples sitting beside each other, that probably was real good stress release for you. My parents are here, and they're probably having a real great time telling that to each other right now. They probably say that about me more than themselves. But uh, as I was preparing for this message, God really brought uh, to my attention our church value, which is full of it. And I thought, that's really good <laughs> when, you, when God's like, good job on that church value, right? And so our uh, church value of generosity is full of it right? That we are full of grace and truth and that we'll give anything and the kitchen sink, right? So those are two different values, but um, this whole idea of full of it, we've been talking about resources for the last three weeks, different things that God has placed in our lives, right? Have any of you been challenged, been working through with Jesus? Please, not just me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and so we are full of many things that God has placed in us. And so that is kind of where we're headed tonight. Um, our main text for this evening is from John 2, starting in verse 1. Um, and the book of John is a little bit different than all of the other gospels. He kind of takes a different approach as only John would. And so, um, you know, as I was getting ready for tonight, I just... Um, really felt strongly about this piece of, of text, and it was a little bit um, of a random piece of text for uh, the topic of risk, but I think that God's got something good for us. You got your Bibles? If you don't, it'll be on the screen uh, right behind me, so let's uh, dig in. In John 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, the next day, 
there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, as moms do, they notice these things, right? There's no more wine. Does your mom ever say something to you and you're like, I know, right? It's obvious. This is what's happening. He says, dear woman, which is something you should never say to your mother. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby, there were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. And so the servants followed his instructions. That is a sermon for some of us in this room. Follow the instructions. (laughs) Me mainly. Um, When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. But when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples, what? Believed in him. Isn't that a good piece of scripture? Can I pray for you real quick before we get started? Father God, we give you all authority in this place. We sit at the edge of our seat in expectancy that you want to do something. And we look for our place in that work tonight. May your word break apart over each of us. And may it change us. May it transform us. For that is your greatest quality. You don't leave us the way we are now. And so God, we give you this time and we zone in. We promise to not be distracted. Come move, and speak. Amen? Amen. How many of you are cooks here? Cook. You like to cook? A few. Perfect. I'll be expecting invitations to your house momentarily for meals. Um, I don't, so there's that. I'm kind of a person that, like, gets by on snacking, so I will look at the ingredients I have and think, do you know what's much easier crackers and hummus, because I don't have to cook that. Um, I don't understand people who understand ingredients, and they just, like, know. They're like, I have some paprika and eggs. I'll make cookies, or I don't know, like, it. and I'm like, how do you know? And then there's, like, the people who don't measure it, right? And they're like, oh, I've been making this for years. Like, I would never, never know how to do that. Um, I the whole, like, just eyeball it. It's like, just make it for me because it will be disgusting if I make it on my own. And my main issue is I just, I can't do the journey. Like, I don't even get past, like, looking for if I have all of the ingredients because I immediately am like, I am not doing these dishes that goes with this. Because you want to make one little thing and it takes 40,000 dishes I can't. I have a dishwasher. It shouldn't matter to me, and yet it does, so I don't really do the cooking thing. I just kind of get by on snacks that children probably eat in their lunches. So there's that. But I found this really cool website a few years back 
called Supercooks, um, and there's many websites uh, like it. And what you do is you go on and you can plug in what you have and it will tell you what you can make, which that's really fun, right? Kind of takes the guesswork out of it, sends you right to a recipe that I will not make because I don't want to. Uh, so, but here's how, I, like a normal person would be like, okay, I have eggs and cheese and like what, I don't even know what goes in recipes or what you're trying to make, but I have the things I need. And, and it's more like, how can I more simplistically make this rather than like, I don't really have this, so what can I substitute in? Um, I do know that word for cooking, so that's really fun. Um, but for me, I think, like, I would love, let's say, a cookie. Like, I would love a molasses cookie. I don't even like molasses cookie. I would like a molasses cookie, but I, I would try and, like, make it work with the ingredients I have, and I most likely wouldn't even have molasses, because that's gross. So, but you know what I mean? Like, you can't get something from nothing, right? You can't get a cookie with like feta cheese and olives or whatever, right? Like it's just, there's not ever gonna be a way that you can do that and that would be a gross cookie, right? If that is like a tradition for your family, I'm so sorry, we love you, we embrace you here. Feta and olive cookies could be really great. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about tonight. We've talked about these different areas that we are gifted in, um, what God has placed in us as resource, what he's given us as provision to use as resource, and the whole idea that that is specific to how and who God has called you to be, right? And so a lot of times in our minds, we think, well, I want to do that thing, but God has gifted you that way, and we're wasting a whole lot of time and a whole lot of resource trying to do something that we were never meant to do. Resourceful, being resourceful, is not about acquisition. It's about allocation. God will not ask you to do something. He will not expect of you what he has not equipped you for because he has equipped you for something very specific. Not perfection, because sometimes the church uses that synonymously, right? He's not expecting perfection out of you, but he has a specific purpose. And I don't know about you, that, that's really exciting to me. And so I would love to spend a life trying to figure that out with Jesus. Sometimes it changes and it grows. But the truth is that he has gifted us with specific things. He has given us a capacity to do something that he has purposed us for. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay. I need your support in this, so <laughs> just hear me on. So we've got this piece of text uh, where we're learning about Jesus' very first miracle. Okay, so up until this point, he's been kind of doing life with his crew, and but this is the very first time that we see the glory of God revealed through a miraculous event that Jesus did, okay? And so uh, we've got um, Jesus at a wedding, and he was like, why not bring a plus 12? I'm Jesus. I'll do that. And so he and his crew go uh, to this wedding, and we can understand that because Mary's already there, it doesn't say that she was invited or anything. It says Mary was there. And so this is most likely some kind of relation for their family. And so they're going to this uh, place, Cana, for this wedding. And the, uh, just studying this, I'm thinking, like, why is the first miracle in this miracle ministry that is 
beautiful and amazing at an ordinary wedding of a relative in Cana. And I studied a little bit about Cana, and guess what there is to know about Cana? Nothing. Cana is just a regular village. There's not really much significance there. I'm like a big linguistics nerd. I love to like pull apart uh, words in the original language. Nothing, not really anything exciting. And I was like, perfect, okay, so you're there at this place doing what exactly? And it just seems odd to me, right? Like Jesus had done so many amazing things. He raised people from the dead. He healed people. He gave people sight. He fed thousands with crumbs. And we're starting off at a wedding in Cana. Why? Why would he start there? What is he doing? And here's, here's the thing that I want to start with tonight. One of the very um, first words in here is invited. Jesus went because he was invited. Jesus will never not show up when you invite him. And so in my Natalie world, I think, I mean, weddings are fun and all that stuff, but like, I don't want to eat steamed broccoli and weird chicken. I don't even like chicken. Like, I don't want to go to this. I mean, it's exciting if you're the couple getting married. And don't get me wrong, weddings are awesome. I've been part of some of my best friend's weddings, and they've been tons of fun. But, like, a wedding is not rare. Weddings happen all the time, right? And, and for, you know, some of us are, like, wedding after wedding in the summer, especially. It just becomes part of the norm. This isn't, like, a miraculous event, right? He's just at this wedding But the most powerful part of that is he was invited. And so I think for some of you, I know that you came here and that's what God wants to press into you. Invite. For some of you, it's the very first invitation. It's the invitation that Jesus says, let me come into your life. Let me be a part of this thing with you. Where you give your all to Jesus. Where you let him completely in. Where you say yes to him for the first time. Maybe for some of you, you haven't done that yet. And maybe for some of you, you're walking around trying to do this life really well. You're trying to make the plans, do the things. And you're forgetting about the power of invitation. It's just as simple as that. Invitation for Jesus. Because he'll always show up, right? Even to a wedding in Cana, he'll show up. He'll probably bring a few friends, you know, crash the party a little bit. But isn't that cool, right, the power of invitation? And so don't forget about that in your daily life, that there is a risk to this thing with Jesus because he says, let me come along. Let me come along with you. Just invite me. It's just as simple as that. And the really cool thing about these first few verses in John chapter 2 is they seem really simple and just, you know, a few words here and there. But what really is happening is Jesus is establishing the ideals for his kingdom. He says that uh, the next day, which in other versions it says the third day, because weddings always started on a Tuesday, which is very random. But the reason why is because the Sabbath needed to be observed. And these weddings were not like your typical, like, go to the wedding that's like 20 minutes long and then go eat somewhere and then go home. These weddings are days long. 
Like, this is quite a celebration. Because it's a big deal for a village. They're welcoming a new family uh, into the village, which often meant enterprise, right? Because families uh, would have businesses where they would be farmers or whatever, and they would be creating stuff to sell. And it meant that the village could continue because if that couple had children, it would elongate the heritage of that village. And so um, weddings were, you know, quite routine, but they were really important to a village. Um, And so we have the whole idea of the bride of Christ being represented, right? And we have the idea of the third day, the resurrection. This whole entire passage, Jesus is alluding to the kingdom that is to come, to the defeat of death and sin. He's talking a lot about what he's going to do. And so don't mistake uh, Sleepy Cana for just a mundane village. God really wanted to reveal his glory there, and he did quite beautifully. Are you good? The next thing is that, um, <laughs> and I know this verse seems very abrupt, um, but when Jesus says to Mary, woman, this isn't our problem, um, in my head I pictured saying that to my mom. That would not go well for me. <laughs> my mom is uh, Quebecois French, and uh, that's not like a thing you say to someone like my mom. She would be really quick to be like, really, <laughs> really. And uh, for my brother and I, when we were younger, she's, you would never know that she, her first language is French because she speaks English very, very well. Um, But for us, when we were younger, we were just talking about this the other day, actually, when she would mutter to herself in French, it was like, get away, get away, get away. It was like the warning of like, something's really about to happen because she's speaking in the mother tongue and it's about to go down. And so so he speaks to his mom and he says, this is not our problem. And I know that verse seems very abrupt and sharp, but here's what he's saying in that. He's addressing his mother and saying, this isn't our problem. This is my problem because you can't do anything about this. But Jesus knows what he's about to do and he knows that he's the bringer of life and he's the one who God is going to reveal his glory through and that he can um, supply the need that is happening at this wedding. And so he's saying to Mary, it's not like he's saying whatever. He's saying, this is my problem. This isn't your problem because you can't really do anything about it. But I can. And what she says is she kind of elbows the servants and says, get ready. Like he's about to tell you to do something. Because she's his mom and she knows him well, but she also knows him as the Messiah. And she places her expectancy in him. And that's a nod to us. Are you expectant of Jesus? Are you willing to take that risk with him? Where you get up in the morning and you expect from him. You expect him to move. You expect him to transform. You expect him to speak. Who are you putting your expectancy in? Don't take the risk of putting it in anyone other than Jesus. And so as the verses uh, go on in verse uh, 6 to 8, just to talk to you a bit about some of the stuff that's in there, because I know it's a little bit cultural. Um, It says that there's these six stone jars, and they're used for ceremonial washing. So when you would go to a wedding, um, there would be stone jars, or sometimes uh, clay, 
uh, but often stone for a wedding. And the whole idea was that you needed to be ceremonially clean to go into a sacred event like this. And so you would get there, you would wash your hands. And because these weddings are days long, which sounds really awesome uh, to be at a wedding for days, uh, but because they're days long, people would often go back throughout the celebration and they would do something and they'd be like, oh, I'm not clean anymore. I've got to go wash my hands again. And so there was this whole um, station set up that was dedicated to that. And it was often right at the start. It was right uh, when you would enter the event. Are you good? You're with me? And so these are not small uh, jars. They can hold 20 to 30 gallons, which means you know, they're quite substantial, they're not dainty, um, they're not small, they are large. And when, um, when this couple runs out of wine, you have to understand that this is socially incredibly embarrassing. The mark of a good wedding was to have enough resource to last without. So this wedding would go on for days. They would feast. Um, there was lots of different parts. For part of this, the men and women would be separate and praying different blessings over each other. And there was a lot of like kind of ritual and ceremony that would have to go on. Eventually, everyone would come together. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of food needed, right? And there's a lot of um, wine needed. And we have to understand that wine in the biblical times was really, um, it represented life because water was very scarce. And so wine was the alternative to bring life. And it also represented like festivity and joy and all that really good stuff because water wasn't always safe. Sometimes it was dirty. And because it was scarce, wine was the best alternative and so to run out of wine in the middle of your wedding was really embarrassing and you would be mocked socially most likely if you were the couple that could not sustain the resource within your wedding and supply your guests with what you've promised them that was a really bad thing that was like a no-no and so knowing that this is happening and Jesus um, being aware of what it is because he's the supplier of needs he does something in, in this situation, right? We see him tell the servants, fill those things to the brim, and he turns water into wine. And the really interesting, like when I was thinking about this in my Natalie brain of like trying to administrate things, um, I was like, if that were me at my wedding, I would be like rationing that stuff out. Like we're not running out, we're not being that couple. We're going to have a fantastic party. And so we're not serving no steam broccoli here. We're going to have great food and wine, and it's going to last throughout. And so we need to portion it, right? So we do this in our lives. Um, I've got some props. As like an, I can't let go of my kids' pastor days and the props yet. So, so we've got this idea where... Do we do this, the rationing thing with the resources you've got? And so we're like, I have this much time for this, and I think I have like this much maybe finance for this, and I've got this much capacity to do that thing. And we end up walking around with these resources that God has given us, full stone jar, right? Full stone jar. And we're doing this thing where we're like trying to be prepared for everything. But in our preparedness, we forget to trust the provider, right? And so 
let's pull that cup out. Let's not be a people who do this rationing thing. Um, the other day, I bought life insurance so I can die responsibly now. <laughs> My parents were like, we're not paying your student loan off. Get this figured out. Um, and so we do this thing though, right? It's very North American to be like, we're going to have this here, this here. We're going to have 52 saving accounts. This one's for this. This one's for this. This one's for this in case like you know, plumbing happens and we, and listen, it's great to be really, really responsible. I would support that statement, I, but we cannot mistake stockpiling for stewardship. Uh, when, when we first started this series, Pastor Mark uh, talked about a verse in Ephesians that says this in Ephesians 3.16. I'm just going to read it to you to 18. It says, I pray that from his glorious, do you remember? Unlimited resource from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts. And as you trust him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, understand in here and in here, all God's people should, how wide how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Does this sound like someone who's tasked a stockpile? No. That's someone who understands where the resource comes from, that we serve a God who is unlimited in what he wants to give us, right? He wants to equip you to do something particular, and so the resources that you have within you are meant for that. And so let's not, when it comes to giving and it comes to generosity, don't just think finances, think beyond that and the different things we've talked about. Don't stockpile, right? Uh, John, who wrote this book, uh, he was with Jesus in the beginning when this miracle happened and he was also with Jesus when he was on the cross and watched it get all poured out. When Jesus filled these jars, he was there. And when Jesus poured it all out on the cross, he was there. And this is the model from which those disciples learned. And this is the model for what Jesus leaves for us. Don't stockpile. Amen? Are you good? Good. Um, and so the really cool thing is that everything's a really cool thing to me. I'm sorry, just accept that statement when I say it 4,000 times, but um, six uh, in the creation story uh, represents man, a man in his imperfection. And the seventh day, meaning that, um, you know, God comes in and completes us. And this whole idea of six stone jars being at this wedding and Jesus using it, using them to fill and supply a need uh, for a really awkward situation that people needed his help to do. He's at this event that often weddings are thought of as this couple coming together to complete himself. And he says, no, I'm here to complete you. I'm here uh, to fill you with my glory. And so in verse 9 and on to 11, um, I just, I sat and thought a lot about um, the fact that the disciples are mentioned like two times in this, and they're doing nothing. 
thought to myself, like, why is that? Why are they there with him, but they're not doing anything? And God employs the help of the servants. And so the servants are there. This is their everyday job. This is what they do day in and day out. Their job is to serve. The expectation is quite clear. You're here to serve people with food and drink, right? That's their job. That's their livelihood. And so uh, when Jesus uh, steps into the equation and he starts <laughs> doing his thing and he says, okay, I, I filled the jars. Um, I want you to go and serve this to the master of ceremony. Imagine being one of those servants who's carrying a ladle or whatever they have and they are walking towards their master with, they don't know, right? Imagine the risk of walking towards their master with a ladle full of what they don't understand. The risk it took to walk across the room. But here's the thing, if they didn't serve that, the miracle would have sat. Right? The miracle would have sat. It is an absolute miracle that God places these things in us. Do not let it sit. What God has placed in you is meant to flow out of you. It's a miracle that, he, that we get to encounter him in the way we do. Don't let it sit. So if they didn't have movement and they didn't trust, it would have sat. And yeah, it would have still been a miracle that he turned water into wine. But to be those servants and get to see that miracle enjoyed, what an incredible place of honor for them. And it's really interesting that he uses the servants. Why? Because Jesus' entire uh, ministry is about unification. And so Jesus travels around these places and imparts his glory doing miracles because he wants to unify across the land the name of God. And so he doesn't use his disciples who will eventually leave Cana with him. He uses the servants that will stay in that village that are servants to that village, that encounter people. And that says something to us. Listen, some days, Fredericton's real ordinary to me. And a big risk would be maybe uprooting and moving to a big city and starting over. But what if risk isn't the flashy new adventure? What if risk is the routine? What if risk, what if the risk is not doing what we can for the community that we're a part of. Don't you want Crosspoint to be a community that's looked at as people who care, people who get it done, not for competition or anything like that, but because we're called to this stuff, right? Don't you want that? That's not a rhetorical question. You want that, right? We get to be part of that. You get to use what has been placed inside of you to do something necessary for God. And so let's get um, into this thing together. The last thought I have for you is the risk of community. And listen, I know that sometimes community is a little tricky because uh, I think we all want to belong, right? We all want to be part of this thing together. Um, but I think as I was kind of prepping and, and praying this thing through, there are many of you who, 
who don't feel like you're part of things. Or maybe you have been for a long time and it feels different now, or whatever the case may be. Can I just say to you, you are so welcome here, right? That you are part of this community. And the cool thing about being gifted and being resourced is that this whole thing works much better if we're all doing the work of it, right? I can be doing my thing and trying to do my best, but it is not the same without you. In fact, I really don't want to do it without you. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it gets messy, and our human nature gets in the way. But you're part of this thing. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad to be part of this community. It's not always perfect. But I really do believe that God is doing something here. I want to be a part of it. I want to risk community. And so for those of you who are maybe standing on the edges right now and you're not sure where you fit and you're trying to do what you need to do, don't stand there. Don't sit. Don't be still. We want everyone to find a place to belong in this family. This church is not about this room because we have another room across the river, right? This room is not about... This church is not about these walls. You know, if Jesus walked in here today, we'd have to explain to him what's going on here. We'd have to say, Jesus, this is what an usher is. This is what a local board is, right? This is why we have a coffee station and all this kind of stuff. And I think he'd be into it. He's pretty cool, right? He'd be like, all right, I can get behind it. I like that song. That's great. But he'd say... How's your local outreach? Because he was about going out. It's great to learn and to be in this room. But what are you investing in with what God has given you? Right? Can I read you something? Before we, um, before we sing together. Uh, this is from Romans 8. You might want to mark this down because this is really, really encouraging. Uh, Romans 8, and this starts at verse 29. I'm going to read to you from the message, so it may be a little different. It's not on the screen, so just take a minute, relax. Just let these words um, wash over you. It says, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. Isn't that good? God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. And we see the original and intended shape of our lives there. In him. And after God made that decision of what his children should be like, so close to making it all the way through, he followed it up by calling people by name. He knows your name. Did you know that? 
after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end. Gloriously, there's that word, gloriously completing what he had begun. Y'all are full of it. And I'm praying that over your life today. Let's sing. Let's sing.